I don't want to scare anyone, but I'm going to give it to you straight. Legend has it that if you are in the, in the bathroom and say Attack of the Killer podcast 12 times in a mirror with the lights off while holding a cross upside down during a full moon while wearing white after Labor Day, while standing on one, lo- one, on one leg, oh, and you got to make sure the toilet seat is down, and you're squinting, nothing will happen. But if you happen to click play on this, you just might hear movies about urban legends on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer What is happening, everybody? I am Insane Mike, the host of Attack of the Killer podcast. This is episode 229. We're calling Urban Legends. And no, Brandy, it's not the movie Urban Legends. Uh We will be talking about movies that deal with different types of urban legends. You see, we here at Attack of the Killer podcast, what we do is, is we pick a topic, we discuss movies within that topic, and we talk open and freely. So there might be spoilers, just to forewarn you. Um, so deal with it. Now, you too can become a legend. See what I did there? <laughs> and you can become a supporter of the show and become what we call an attacker. See, now attackers are a, a unique class in our society, higher than the 1%. It's oh, like yeah. 0.00001%. Yeah. Better than you're better than a lizard person. <laughs> so when you support the show, you become an attacker and you get special perks that bring meaning to your life. You can get such perks as bonus episodes, so you can get the show every single week that way. You can get, oh, I don't know, your own official membership card and certificate, and so much more. Uh, you can become an attacker by going to jointheattackers.com, pick the tier you want to get the bonus content that best suits you. That's jointheattackers.com. Go. Do it. We'll wait. <laughs> One of the perks about being an attacker is getting a shout out on the show, just like our newest attacker and member of the Attack of the Killer podcast family, Cheryl Pierce. Pierce? Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. Thanks so much for being attack- an attacker. You are awesome. Now, Cheryl. I'm Insane Mike, and I'd like you to meet the people who make up this fine podcast. That's right. It's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. Some say if you play that backwards, it won't say Paul is dead, but instead it'll say Jason is the real Paul. Jason, everybody. Hey, I like that. And since I do the editing, I might just see what that does sound like for fun. I would be curious, too. (laughs) He was flushed down the toilet and grew up to terrorize the streets of New York. Tad! Hey. <laughs> Have you heard of the well, well to hell? Well, he dated her in high school. Andy! Oh, my. <laughs> More like college, but yeah. <laughs> How's it going? 
and our very special guest from the Brett and Tony podcast that you can hear right here on the uh, Prescribed Films Podcast Network, Brett Royer, everybody. Hey, guys. Hey! Thanks for being on the show, Brett. (laughs) Uh, Brett, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, a a little bit about your podcast. Uh, sure. Uh, like you said, it's the Brett and Tony podcast. Uh, we got a new episode every, uh, well, every two weeks, uh, of the normal podcast. And then, uh, on our off weeks, uh, we, uh, we pick a random movie, uh, random B movie off a of shutter and, uh, talk about that for a little bit. So, uh, it's a lot of fun, uh, listen in. And like you said, it's, uh, on the pfpn.com. Yeah. Yeah. It's an awesome show. Really, really great. I love it. Um, and thanks for joining us on this show, man. Oh, it's great. Thank you so much for having me guys. <laughs> Not a problem. You know, what isn't an urban legend? What? That shutter is the best horror streaming service out there True. because that's just a fact. <laughs> now, if you have not signed up for Shudder yet, what are you Fuck waiting for? You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is why we don't have more sponsors. Shudder has everything <laughs> for any type of horror fan. You can get a free month of Shudder for free, thanks to us here at Attack Your Killer Podcast. All you have to enter, all you have to do is enter our promo code AOTKP, and that way you can check it out for yourself. That promo code is AOTKP. Get on the Shudder train today, so the guys will quit, quit swearing at you. You can get the first month for free on us. Again, the promo code AOTKP. Yeah, dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Make the cursing stop. Do it today. (laughs) This reminds me of freaking idiocracy. (laughs) Charles Jr. says, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as the story goes. If you close your eyes and stand towards the east, you can faintly hear the sounds of Tad with what we watched. What we watched. All right, let's go with Andy first. What have you watched? Okay, all right, here we go. Um... (laughs) Recently, I had an internet buddy send me some uh, independent films. <laughs> did you do from, finger quotes when uh, you said in- internet buddy? Uh, yeah, well, well, yeah, he does. He's I've bought stuff from him before, <laughs> and he just sent me these. And he sent me uh, some independent films out of Florida by uh, Gator Blade Films, and this one is made by Sean Donahue. And the title did not is not misleading at all. It's called Naked Cannibal Campers. <laughs> a lot of nudity, a lot of cannibalism. Uh, and a lot of camping. Yeah. <laughs> not, a lot of, not a lot of campers, but I stress the word camp. Okay, you are getting what you paid for. Uh, a lot of nudity. Like It has these witches that like to eat people, and that's how they sustain their bodies and uh yeah it was actually shot during the the pandemic and um well we're still in it but like smack dab in the middle of it in florida and uh he talks about that in the special features but yeah a lot a lot of boobies and a lot of fake blood and uh 
probably a good thing I watched it while my wife's back was turned while she was, you know, working. Kind of like she is now. Um, moving on. Uh, I also watched a, uh, old school, uh, slasher that, uh, they say doesn't get a lot of love and it was made by the same guys who made evil dead and evil dead Two. The Raimi brothers are in it and it was directed by Scott Spiegel. And it's actually got really good gore in it because, uh, Kurtzman, uh, Berger and Nicotero worked on the effects Ooh, and it ooh, is called ooh, Intruder. Yeah. <laughs> and you got have you has it, have any of you guys seen this? Sounds like Mike. Oh, yeah. has. oh hell yeah. I love that movie. Uh I really, really enjoyed this. It has the the late Danny Hicks in it. Like I said, it's got the Raimi brothers. It has a uh cameo by uh uh Bruce, Bruce Campbell. And the gore in it is is really good, and it's a it's a uh all shot in this uh supermarket which i think is needs to be more of that's a very very niche horror um setting yeah uh setting yeah it's all yeah all one all one setting and yeah just the the stuff that they could do with like you know the butcher shop and you know the conveyors and just stuff like that i i really 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 liked it uh so if you get a chance uh check out uh intruder i actually bought the blu-ray dvd combo and i'm glad that i did yeah uh from synapse films uh so check it out um i also watched a newer movie uh it's called and it's an independent one you can watch it on prime it's a 2021 movie it's called the night they knocked and it's uh it's a lower budget film it's it's not it's not all that great <laughs> i mean it's uh, and i'm trying and i'm trying to be nice because i mean i feel like they they really tried it was it was shot really well but they only had like you know so much to work with but i mean it's basically um it's a strangers uh rip off i mean it's like a carbon copy of it you know isolated cabin bunch of you know college kids out there and these people just start coming in and trying to kill them and it's 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 just it kind of it really kind of fell flat with me and plus you know a couple of the guys that are attacking them they do talk they do talk a lot of crap but they're all dressed like clowns. And to me, the, at this point, clowns are the new zombies. It's just, it's really just <laughs> almost too overdone at this point. But if God, you're into that, Clowntergeist really messed you up. Then. Yeah, oh, God. Sure just, well, <sighs> this, this is Citizen Kane compared to fucking Clowntergeist. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if, uh, if it's a new movie that you want to check out, I mean, you can. Uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. And if and I went real old school and I watched VH I have a VHS that I got and it's uh you would have talked campy as hell. This is a Fred Olin Ray film Ooh. with uh Jen Michael Vincent. It actually has PJ Souls and it has uh Joe Pilato in it. Name that movie. Um it is called Alienator. Oh yeah, and 
yeah, it's about an escaped convict from space and a female bodybuilding alien who has a laser gun on her arm with the worst absolutely practical effects in it. And I absolutely love this movie because it's so freaking campy and just so just damn bizarre. Um, the outfit that PJ Souls wears in this movie is literally the most ridiculous thing. And if I ever see her again, I was like, that couldn't have been comfortable. Uh <laughs> Yes, I'll, and I'll read you uh, just the front of the video cassette. It'll kind of give you an idea as to what you're getting into here. An android hunter from outer space is about to create hell on Earth. Alienator. In deep space, the deadliest animal is still woman. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lot, lot, lots of fun. Um I don't know how much cocaine Jen Michael Vincent was taking at the taking during this time, but I think this is after Airwolf, so he might have needed the work or you know the the money. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Alienator, and that's all I got. Oh, and I also watched uh, The Hills Run Red again because I really dig that. Uh, I think that slasher is underrated, but that's all I got. All right, let's jump over to Mike. What have you watched? Man, my list is super short this time. I don't know where the two weeks have, has gone. I haven't watched hardly anything. I only have one thing to talk about, but uh, but I might uh, have a lot to say. Have any of you guys seen the movie? It's from 2018 called Await Further Instructions. I don't um, think so. No. Oh, man. This may show up on uh, on a topic or something because I want you guys to see it. It's on Netflix. It's uh, from 2018. It's a British film about a family's Christmas that takes a strange turn when they wake up to find themselves trapped inside their house and they begin receiving mysterious instructions through the television. It is a great movie. It is, I freaking loved it. I was enthralled. I first heard about it by watching. I watch a lot of stupid, and that's probably why I don't, I don't have very many movies on my list this week. Um, you know, I watch a lot of stupid YouTube videos, like top ten lists and stuff. And and top ten did a list of like underrated horror films. And when they showed clips of this and was describing it, <clears throat> I was like, oh, I gotta check this out because um, it's it's way more bizarre than the description I just gave you. Like um, the family's super dysfunctional. The father's like a super asshole. The mother's mother's obviously got some emotional issues. Um, the, the, the son um, is dating this woman um, that's like a, a, a doctor. And she is, uh, I think like from Australia or something like that. I'm, I'm trying to remember now, um, but there's obviously some, uh, some racial and cultural tension between her and the rest of the family. Um, uh, and the, the son's estranged just because the dad is such a dickhead. He never comes around. Um, and then there's a sister who's pregnant and her dumb jock of a, of a husband. And so they're already a mess of a family and this really divides them even more. And it goes down some dark paths, but it's just, it's so enthralling because you want to know what is going on. Like the the son and the girlfriend, they try to leave early, and when they open the door, this, the the whole front of the door is just completely closed off with like this weird black material, 
that they cannot penetrate. They, they, they cannot break it down. And every window is covered in this. And, um, and basically they think there's some kind of government quarantine going on and they keep getting these like weirdo instructions through the television as if it's some kind of national emergency. Um, like what one point they're like trying to figure out what's going on. And then all of a sudden this package comes down through the fireplace and they open it up and it's a bunch of hypodermic needles and then instructions pop up on the TV saying, this is the vaccine. Um, everybody must take this. And that turns into a whole big thing. And mm. by the time you get to the third act, it is batshit crazy. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, highly, highly recommend it. It is a great movie. Um, directed by a guy named Johnny uh, uh, Kevorkian, who only really directed two movies, two features and three short films. And then he he apparently died in 2020, unfortunately. So huh. um yeah, so if you guys get a chance to check it out, I, I seriously, it's one of the best things I've seen in a long time. Await further instructions. Sounds awesome. Neat. Yeah. And that's all I've had a chance to watch. That's your list? Okay. Yeah. Jason, uh, do you have something to make up for that? I do. Uh, I saw these two really <laughs> awesome movies on Friday called Tammy and the T-Rex and the Love Witch. See, yes. I didn't even get around to watching Joe Bob. This. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. Well, live tweeter Tad was on a tear, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, pretty, my phone was blown up. Right? <laughs> 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 but, yeah, seeing Tammy again. I think I've my roller coaster of Tammy, I was so excited. I was uh, The concept, amazing. The first time I saw it, loved it, awesome. And now I'm watching it again, second, third time, and I'm like, man, this movie's just... Because you were Not watching it by good. yourself. No, but it's just terrible. It's terrible. But see, that's what make movies like that awesome. I'm, I'm saying it was. the collective experience. It was the first time I watched it and the second time I watched it, which were all by myself with Tina. Still, I'm just saying, the more I have to look at what's happening on the screen, it doesn't get better. It's all, that's all I'm saying. It's still good. It's just not, I don't know. It's worn off. It's I don't know. I mean, it's hilarious. <laughs> it still felt great for me because it still felt like a communal watching when I'm on Twitter ab- absolutely. and I've got people yeah. bouncing all over, you know. And the Joe Bob insights always wonderful. <laughs> and the Love Witch was great. Still, again, it was the second time I've seen it, and Joe Bob made that great. And the director was awesome. She was and amazing, awesome. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, so good. So, uh, so since I missed it, Tammy was was the first film, and Love Witch was the second. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's weird. You'd think that'd be the other way around with the way he usually does the movies. Usually, the B feature is the second movie. Um, and then I watched. We watched a bunch of uh, chick flicks. I can say that. Um, uh, on Valentine's Day, but then uh, the, so then like uh, the TV's just kind of on uh, last week, and this movie comes on, and I've never seen it, and Tina's like, I think I've seen this, and there's Will Ferrell, and there's. He's on there, and that's great, right? And then there's Kevin Hart, and it's like so edited beyond belief. I'm like, man. And then Mike's other girlfriend, <laughs> Allison Breeze, on there. Was it like lingerie. Get Hard or something? Yep. Get Hard. Uh-huh. Yeah. And get so, hard. so we were like, oh, man, let's go watch. Let's turn this off and then go find the real version and watch it. Mm-hmm. So we, it was the first time I'd ever seen yeah. it, and goddamn, it's just the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. It was great. You know, Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart at their finest. It was super funny. I just hadn't seen it before. 
It's a good comedy. And then I yeah. guess the last thing uh, to I wanted to mention, and I forgot to the last couple episodes, is Tina and I started watching a sci-fi show. That's right. What? A sci-fi TV show that's fucking great. And I can't wait to tell you about it because it stars Alan Tudyk. Oh, is it that new sci-fi one where he's an alien? In yeah, the it's sky called Resident Alien. Not Alan One Dick. That's right. It's Alan Two Dick <laughs> from Tucker yeah. and Dale and Firefly. I've been seeing the trailers for that, and I it's mean, great. As as you, when you see the sci-fi logo oh, pop I know. up, you get I know. a little nervous. But <laughs> I know. But then <laughs> it's Alan Tunick. I mean, like I think uh, if you if you have if you have the app on your Roku or whatever, you at least get the first two or three episodes free, or it'll come out on there, and you can watch it that way. That's what we've been doing. But it's just uh, it's awesome. I mean, it's it's obviously a sci-fi. Uh, not the channel, but it's a sci-fi concept of an alien that crashes on the planet. He takes, he kills a human and takes their place and can tra- morph into them. And so he's pretending to be this doctor in a small town. And then the town starts needing a doctor. And so he has to like go into town and pretend to be a doctor. And it's funny as fuck. Imagine him trying to pretend to be a human. And that's what we watch a lot of. And Awesome. And I know... For for one defense of sci-fi's name, um, I feel like they have like one good series a year. Like they did, ha- <laughs> they did Happy, they did Channel Zero, and they're doing this. Yeah. Like they do have some decent stuff on there. They've just it's got their. There. That's true. They've tarnished their name so bad with their original <laughs> films, and and it's just you know it's hard to trust them. But they they do seem to invest in one solid show a year that's true i forgot about happy i freaking loved oh, that yeah. show yeah, so i was bummed there wasn't a third season they're kind of like canon films every every time every once in a while they have like a happy accident where right. they do something like really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but so far they've only got three episodes out um and that's great uh, so i totally wanted to recommend that but that's what i watched all right brett what have you seen recently Ooh, uh, well, guys, I'm gonna be straight with you. Uh, the last couple months, I was watching Gilmore Girls. Oh, Brad! <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. Uh, yeah, uh, but we just finished. We just finished, so I'm getting caught up on some things. Uh, I just watched Psycho <laughs> Gorman the other night. Yeah. Oh yes. my god! Whoa! And you guys have been talking about this movie, but oh my god! Oh, just yeah. uh, hearing right. hearing people talk about it and then seeing it is just two completely different things. <laughs> uh, great movie, loved it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then, uh, for, yes, right. <laughs> uh, and then for Valentine's, uh, me and my me and my girlfriend Katie, we uh, we uh, did a couple movies. We did The Shallows, mm-hmm. the shark movie. Love it. Uh, and and forty seven meters down, uncaged. Uh, and then crawl. Nice. Oh, cool. Nice yeah, little triple feature. Going yeah. on a vacation a soon pre- or something, right? It was, <laughs> it was a pretty good day. Well, those are those are like like especially shark movies. Oh my god, those are the ones that get me. <laughs> and oh, yeah, then the uh, and then, is good. Oh, so good. Uh, and then uh, Tad actually uh, got me on Joe Bob here uh, recently, mm-hmm. uh, and I watched the Tammy and the T Rex the other night. 
Uh, and I tried watching The Love Witch, but I was tired as fuck, and I'd worked all, all day, uh-huh. and I kind of passed out. So I might have to check that one out. <laughs> I, I have passed out during the second Joe Bob movie several times until I started live tweeting him, and that's kept me like forced me awake. But uh, <laughs> I, I agree with Mike. He probably should have reversed the two because uh, I love The Love Witch, but it's a much slower movie, and yeah. to put it second yeah. um, is a test of your endurance for sure. Yep, and uh, I mean, I'd already seen Tammy and the T-Rex, so if they went with that one second Love Witch uh, first, I would have been no problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, that's that's uh, basically where I'm sitting. <laughs> All right, someone asked me what Tad, I watched. Tad, what have you been watching? Oh, man, I have a short list, but a sweet list. Um, <laughs> I, for my podcast, uh, a fellow PFPN podcaster, Donald, from the Movie Defenders, um, picked a movie for me. And I'll go ahead and uh, this will be out, I think, after this episode drops. So um, if you're listening to this, go back and listen to my episode on uh, Xanadu. Uh, <laughs> any fan, any, anybody uh, a fan of this one on the show? Never seen it. Uh, you haven't seen it, but the, the wife could not uh, finish it. Oh, Brandy's a huge <laughs> fan. I loved it. Um, spoiler alert. I, I have no idea how Donald, I think I, I thought he was trying to troll me at first. <laughs> right, right. And then I watch it and I'm like, how does he know me so well? I've talked to him in person <laughs> once. Um, we're, we're sort of just acquaintances and he picked this movie out of the sky and you'll hear how passionate Donald is about this movie. Oh, uh, cool. But, uh, Xanadu is wild. It's a roller skating, um, fantasy, <laughs> love movie where a Olivia Newton John um, is a goddess who comes to life from a mural of an album cover. Of course that old story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it has Gene Kelly in several musical numbers. It was his last film. I have. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it, on paper. It shouldn't work. And on the screen, um, it doesn't exactly work in the way they probably thought, but it is <laughs> magically weird. It is. Uh, I, I can't even describe it without just just listen to the episode. Magically I, weird. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I That's mean, good. the movie starts with this artist ripping up a drawing, throws it out the window, it blows down the street, hits a mural of these girls on roller skates, and they come to life. And that's where it starts. Um, it's a, it's, and then the the musical numbers are a mesh of forties musicals on the Gene Kelly side, and then we have Olivia Newton John's, which is. Um, the late seventies it's made and it was released in 1980, but it was like at the very end of the seventies when it was made. So they're combining the late seventies with the forties. Yeah. Wow. Very strange movie. Um, but lovely. I, I, I had a blast with it. It's something that it would be a blast to watch with a crowd, man. I almost feel like you're, Almost ready for movies like The Apple and Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I want to see The Apple so bad. We talk about both of those in oh, depth really? on the show. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So you might spring it on your next birthday party. Uh, we talk about that. Uh, yeah. You guys are just like, I'm so easy to read. Maybe know you a little bit. I'm going to take a big left turn. And the next movie I watched was the new Nick Cage movie, Willie's Wonderland. Oh, is that good? Oh, that's out? Yes, it's out. Um, I would not say it's good, but (laughs) (laughs) I was a little let down um, for the premise of they've been pushing that it's Nick Cage versus animatronic Chuck E. Cheese animals, sort of, or like Five Night at Freddy's. I don't know what that Five Night at Freddy's is, but um, a lot of people are like, this movie's ripping off Five Night at Freddy's. Um, 
I'm not going to spoil anything because it just came out, but the idea, the premise, I'll, I'll say this without spoiling anything. Um, basically, uh, Nick Cage is like this, this badass. His car breaks down in this small town, and, um, of course, they don't have the parts in stock. So the deal is, we'll fix your car. They, they make you pay in cash. Oh, Nick Cage doesn't have any cash. Um, the deal is, if you stay the night at Willie's Wonderland and clean up the place, uh, you can stay there for free, and they'll fix your car for free. Um, turns out Willie's Wonderland is like a, an abandoned Chuck E. Cheese with a bunch of animatronics oh and uh, they they try to kill Nick Cage and uh, as you can imagine Nick Cage huh. isn't cool with that so <laughs> um, that's, that's so Nick I, Cage I thought <laughs> here the weird thing about it okay oh, that's, and, we're not even to the weird part yet okay. no no because we see I mean I've, I've posted a trailer in the Facebook group and stuff and, yeah. and it's they clearly you know were stunt casting with Nick Cage I was a little hesitant because of the trailer I'm like okay we're reaching a level now where Nick Cage is just playing the Nick Cage that we all um, expect like a parody of himself this movie they cast Nick Cage he has no lines what oh, uh, he oh. doesn't say a word he doesn't make any he does not say a word in the whole you don't know anything about him we never learn anything about him he doesn't say anything he has no lines why the wow. fuck would you cast him that's really interesting though so is that like the second half of the movie just like a silent film then in the sense of like because it's just him and <laughs> is it just him in there or does he have other people in there with him i have, um he can't say I I won't spoil too much because it's not it's not really a spoiler because the, the big there's a big twist that it sort of explains what's going on but the idea is that um, he goes in here and these local teenagers are they they find out that he's in there and uh, they're like they want to stop it so they're trying to save him and so they go into oh, Willy's okay. Wonderland to help save him but um, Nick Cage his character which I'm pretty sure he's just playing Nick Cage um, right. He, for some reason, the thing throughout the movie is he slams energy drinks and is obsessed with pinball. <laughs> There's a See, pinball I, machine in the building, and he keeps getting, like, no matter what's happening, every he has a timer on his watch, and it dings. He has to down an energy drink and play pinball. Sounds like Jason. Weird. Yeah, right? I, that's I probably an interesting ask, choice, though, for an actor though, to, yeah. I have to ask, uh, even though Nick Cage doesn't have any lines in this movie, I am, I'm almost positive and i have to ask is he still overacting <laughs> there's a few there, there's a few scenes that are like you know okay like it feels but that's what i didn't really like about it it's like it was sort of cool i concept like he picked he actually he said he chose it because he thought it would be interesting to try to convey motions um throughout the movie without having any lines but um there are some scenes where it felt like they, after they cast him, they're like, we got to put one of these scenes in where he, he's just over the top. And it's like, we didn't need that. I sort of liked the fact that he was yeah. mysterious. Like we didn't, at, at those points he felt the most like he's just playing Nick Cage and not a character. It's like, yeah. okay, dance for us, Nick Cage. You know, it's like that type right. of thing. And I, I was sort of like, I'm over this. Like they, in some of the CGI is really bad. Yeah. So, it's it's, and it's worth watching. Willie's Wonderland. Okay. Uh, I believe it's on demand right now. I think it's like it's one of those like theater and movie t- or theater in uh, at home. Yeah. So it's like twenty bucks to rent. But uh, yeah, Willie's Wonderland. It's it's worth watching. It just didn't do um, what it what I hoped on paper. 
Um, and then on the other end of things, I saw A24's new film, Saint Maud. <laughs> I watched this last night. It's had a, it's been in limbo for release for, what, two years now, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, every time it's supposed to come out, something happened. And finally, we had a release date, and then COVID happened. So it's been pushed back and pushed back. And finally, it, like... I don't even know what you'd call it. it had like a, a uh, like it makes me think of like a balloon deflating. Just had this like shitty release. Like after all this buildup, it went to Epics, which is a streaming service. Um, yeah, it had a like one weekend in very limited theaters, and then it went to huh. Epics to stream. And I, you can you can get a free trial of Epics. I almost didn't believe you when you told me. I was like, what? Yeah, Epics? they somehow. Like, come on! Like, how does how did Shutter not jump on that and throw a bunch of money at A twenty four and say, "Bring it to us"? Or how does A twenty four not have their own streaming service? Or yeah. I have a million questions. How the hell did this <laughs> ended up on Epics before anywhere else and only on Epics? Um, but it yeah. seems to be working because everybody's downloading that free trial to try it, and I'm willing to bet a lot of those people are going to forget and pay for the first month. So yeah. uh, they also Epics has a few. They have Spontaneous, which was on um, my top ten and Jason's top ten this yeah. uh, of 2020. So it's worth uh, at least checking out the free trial. They have some decent stuff. I had never heard of his EPIX uh, streaming. Yeah. And uh, like I said, you can get a free trial to check out Saint Maud. Um, I haven't even talked about the movie. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's for all the buildup, you know. I I was mm. then it went to Epics. I was sort of like, I don't know where oh, no. where to go into this. Like, is this is it bad? And I thought it was really good. A twenty four has never disappointed me. They kept that streak going. Uh, this movie is freaky and artsy and slow and. Uh, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, I know. It's your comfort movie, but uh <laughs> Mike is rolling backwards. Yeah. I will tell you this, Mike. This might uh-huh. intrigue you. It's only an hour and twenty four minutes. Oh, that'll help. So it'll yes. only feel like a three hour movie, guys. Hey, right. Come on. <laughs> but the basic premise is really simple. This uh mod is a traveling nurse. She gets hired by a rich um retired artist who is um dying of cancer. So she's like a stay stay in home nurse. She lives in this mansion with this um, retired artist, and she's basically bathing her and feeding her and cooking for her and does everything for her. Make sure her medications are there and stuff. Um, but Maud is very very religious, and this artist is um, very artsy, you know, in the way that she likes uh, women and men, and she um, has a. Uh, dark past and she's very not religious. So her and uh, Maude sort of clash heads at times. And uh, meanwhile, Maude is convinced that God is sending her signs and it gets deeper and deeper uh, into the point where Maude is like hurting herself. And uh, it's, I'll leave it at that because of course it's an A24 movie and it's just dark from the beginning and it only gets darker to the end. But uh some truly haunting shit. I love religious movies for some reason, even though I'm not a religious person. Um, I find organized religion scary. So this movie has some some moments. I would. It's hard to even call it a horror movie because it only has a few horrific scenes, but um, it's definitely dark and brooding. So if you like artsy A24 brooding creepy movies, download Ooh. Epics and check it out. But um, you know, I, I really wish Shutter would have got it because we love Shutter. So. That's what I watched. Awesome. Now, have you guys heard um, about the urban legend? There's this game called Kill Switch. 
Apparently, it's a game that you can only it can only be play, played once, and if you die in the game or you complete the game, the game will delete itself and leave no traces of its existence. And then speaking of games, back in the day, there was this game called Pole Position, where it was a racing game, and you would drive on this track and, and race cars, and just so happens to be the name of our online Twitter poll. So here's Jason to tell you all about it with Pole Position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of Pole Position. All right, here we are, poll position. Let's take a quick look back at uh, the poll from episode 227. What's your favorite space horror movie? Quick recap, Insane Mike said Planet of the Vampires. The right answer. Uh, We'll see. Uh, We had Jason, that's me, with Aliens, Tad Life Force, and Andy Event Horizon. Let's take a look. Oh, boy, we got a three-way tie for first. Let's just say. Wow. Who got last, Mike? What? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what? Everybody but Mike. Oh, man. What, did, what, was, what did I have for votes? You had, oh, I don't know how to math this with all them votes. It's just funny that we all tied with 29% of the votes and you got 14%. My bad. So close. So close yet so far. But man, anyway. When it comes to pole position, I feel like Jason playing in Saints games here. I uh, know. Yes, your losing streak <laughs> continues as well as mine does in Saints games. Anyway, let's get on to the pole position for this episode. The question is, what's your favorite urban legend? Altogether, in general, your favorite. Insane Mike, you're up first. I've got it this time. Oh, I can't wait. Mine is the Mothman. You and that Mothman. Pr- pretty good one. It is a good one. You kind of get a little bit of mix of everything. This, when this might surprise you, yeah, because I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, it, it's it, it's like a cryptid, but at the same time, it like there's there's a supernatural element to it because um, when bad things happen, like that's when the Mothman kind of comes around as Ooh. if it's like an early warning device. Um, to warn you that something bad is going to happen. And so, and it kind of all started with the collapse of, of this, this bridge. Um, and then people were seeing the Mothman and stuff. So yeah, definitely the Mothman. He's awesome. Cool. And there's, is the movie Mothman prophecies about that? Honestly, I've never seen it. Okay. Anyone answer that? I don't, I've never seen it either. So I've only seen bits and pieces. I mean, it's about it, but it, oh, it's okay. not going to be like... Not the documentary narrative film of it. Yeah, it's not like right. maybe basically yeah, you're going to see the Mothman Moth creature in it. or I think it has more to do with the bridge and stuff. Than, sure. All right, I'll go next. Uh, like I've said, I don't know a lot of these, but when I was kind of looking up some, this one, uh, it's, it stood out as I, I think I'd heard it before. So I'll, I'm, I'm going with Skinwalkers and tell you a little bit about that. Um, I got this little paragraph to read here. It's easy to feel uneasy while driving through the desolate desert roads of Arizona, especially at night, and particularly so when you hear a short burst of taps on your window while cruising at 60 miles per hour and turn to see the shape-shifting, mutilated, half-human creature responsible for the high-speed interruption 
Relax, it's only trying to rip the flesh off your bones. Ah! This legend is uh, so ingrained in Arizona culture that when a Navajo woman was found brutally murdered in Flagstaff, the accused killer's defense in court was that the attack could have only been perpetrated by a skinwalker. There's even a defined and well-documented portion of the state known as Skinwalker Ranch, where you are most where you are most likely to see one of the creatures. Not that you'd actually want to. Skinwalkers. That's my pick. Nice one. Yeah, it's cool, right? Scary. Uh, what you shit your pants. You're driving down the road and you hear tap 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 tap. <laughs> yeah. That anyway, uh, uh, Ted. What's yours? Uh, mine requires less of a um, long story because people actually know what it is. What the hell, Skinwalkers? Uh, Sorry, that's not going to win. Uh, mine is <laughs> <laughs> Hookman, which has been what the immortalized. Hell's Hookman? <laughs> it's only been immortalized in everything from scary stories to tell in the dark to meatballs of Bill Murray to uh, He Knows You're Alone, Shrek the Halls. I mean, this story has been done a million times. Um, I know what you did last summer. We talked about that on <laughs> the uh, bonus episode. But this the basic story, there's several iterations of it. But the idea is this couple, they're going out in their car and uh, they're making out. And they hear a um, radio broadcast about a, a serial killer has escaped a mental institution. And uh, look out for him because he has a hook for a hand and the guy hears a noise and he goes to investigate it he disappears but the woman hears scratching up and down the sides of the car she gets out to investigate to find a hook hanging from the handle of the car um there's several like i said uh different variations of the story but that's the very basic one and uh it's a classic and i love <laughs> I, it and i don't know why you're laughing you I, loser i thought you I, said you weren't <laughs> going to read a paragraph about it and then you read a paragraph i, I told i engaging story oh um, yours, is that what yours, that was yeah the yeah. version i heard uh, was a foot. on his foot a hook foot that's from a meatballs <laughs> okay was it, was anyway, like plowing a garden. Or? Maybe somebody's heard of Andy since no one's heard of Hookman. Um, Everybody's well, heard of Hookman. I've, I've officially <laughs> just changed mine. I was because I didn't know what your answer was for that either. Oh yeah, it's well. My original answer was uh, Resurrection Mary from the Chicago Cemetery. A lot of people have seen her. You know, she's like asked for rides in a cab, but. Uh, <clears throat> but it, and she and she's this ghost that's you know been around you know the Chicago area for you know decades. But um, your official answer, my official answer is uh, the video game Polybius, and what that is, there was a stand-up arcade unit made by an unknown manu- manufacturer back in the early '80s. And it was this uh, video game called Polybius. And I don't really know much about the gameplay, but supposedly it was put on this boardwalk in Oregon, this arcade boardwalk in Oregon back in the early 80s. And this game became highly addictive to a couple of the teenagers there. And they ended up, uh, both of them ended up having like severe heart attacks after after playing this game Polybius and a a lot of health problems, but they could not stop, you know, playing it. And eventually a couple of them died as the urban legend goes. And two, it was only there for like a couple of weeks. And so that's how much that kind of tells you that how much they were playing it. And it was only there for two weeks. And then that two mysterious men in black quotation fingers, um, came and took this game off the boardwalk, and it was never seen again. And it's uh, Polybius. 
Yeah, see, that's way spookier than a, making fun of handicapped people with hook hands and things. That's awesome. That's <laughs> man. I feel like I got it in the bag, man. Like, I'm the only. I've got the only one anybody's ever heard of. Well, everybody knows the iteration. Of, I mean, the, they made several m- movies about. No one okay. knows what you're talking about, Ted. But let's go with the. Uh, let's. It's let's, called gaslighting, okay, and it's not funny. <laughs> Let's let's talk to our pal Brett. Sadly, Twitter only lets us put up four answers. But if if you got to pick your own, Brett, what would be your favorite urban legend? Uh, since mine doesn't really count, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, one that's not scary. Uh, I'm gonna go with the the Paul McCartney is uh, is has been dead since November 1966 and was replaced by a lookalike. I like that one. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. The lizard man, the lizard Paul. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's a cool so, pick. Yeah. Well, all right, everybody, get your butts over to Twitter at AOTKP and vote for your favorite, who you think got it right. Get your votes in over there. And that's the poll position. I think it's time now we get into talking about some of these urban legend-ish movies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not the movie Urban Legend. Jason, what is the first movie we're going to talk about this evening? The first movie we're going to talk about is from 2016, The Forest. My sister, Jess, and I, we're identical twins. When something happens to one of us the other one can tell it's hard to explain but i can just feel it she's in trouble and she needs me your sister went into aokigahara forest it's where lost people go to commit suicide what i'm coming jess I'm looking for my sister. She went into the forest. I want to hire a guide. No guide. Forest is very dangerous. Spirits cannot rest there. They come back. Angry. I can't let you go in by yourself. I have clearance to go in with the guard. I could ask if you could come. The forest is very dangerous. Do not leave the path. Oh my god, that's our tent. Yes! Yes! You cannot stay after dark. I'm not leaving without my sister. Yes! At night, people see bad things. You're getting paranoid. Her twin sister disappears in Japan, 
A young American named Sarah, played by Natalie Dormer, becomes determined to find out what happened to her. Sarah's investigation leads her to the legendary Aokigahara Forest, located at the base of Mount Fuji. Accompanied by expatriate Aiden, she enters the mysterious wilderness after being warned to stay on the path. Her investigation plunges her into a dark world where the angry and tormented souls of the dead prey on those who dare to explore the forest. This is um, directed by Jason Zada. Zada. It's pretty much his first feature, but he also wrote the film uh, The House is October Built. Oh, no way. Yep. Oh, man. And then everyone knows Natalie from Game of Thrones. She played Marjorie Tyrell. She was also in the last couple Hunger Games movies. But Yeah, this is a movie, all right. Here's the thing. like, I think think the cinematography was awesome. I think the the concept is amazing. The the urban legend is spooky and sad and and beautiful. You know, it's Japanese... That's the thing. Absolute awesomeness, you know. That's the but, thing. That urban legend, like, just based on the urban legend alone, makes me not want to go hiking there ever. Yeah, and I did a little research, and this this uh, this forest is really amazing. I mean, it is the second yeah. highest suicide place in yeah, the world, yeah. and just oh man, it just looks it's just crazy. And the movie captures none of it. Oh. You know, you know, sort of that guy, like almost off screen, and <laughs> that's about it. And maybe they find I, a corpse. Right? I think there's a lot of potential in it, but yeah, it ends up it ends up being a little bit of like eh, it's fine. I get what they're trying, but I, my my my, and then my the the my biggest problems are always the like those dumb CGI jumps. Like it's yeah. all it's all in dreams, yeah, and it's all CGI all jumps, dreams. and it's just like, come on. There's a lot of them. It's, they heavily rely on it for to to push the the horror of the movie. It's just yep. all jump scares. What were you saying, Brett? Oh, I was uh, basically just agreeing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just so it's too bad. Like a lot of the things are great. Like. I think all the actors are great. I think the setting is amazing. Whether it's the real forest or not, whether it's shot, I'm not oh, sure it's on that. Gorgeous. But. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the cinematography, you know, it just. There's some moments it, it of like, actually, amazing camera work. And, and actually, yeah. maybe, t- I'm going to say this maybe. I just had this thought. Maybe it's too good. Maybe. Because they sh- the forest was gorgeous. It made, it made me want yeah. to go through and hiking yeah. through that forest. And that should <laughs> not be the feeling I should have with watching this movie, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, the when she was underground, okay, that was the place. Yeah, you did not want to be. But other than that, when she was above ground, yeah, I would want to go looking around. Seemed like and a nice whole, stroll. Yeah, the whole side story with the guy she meets up with was. I mean, I don't know if they felt they just needed to push the movie somehow, but I'm like, I don't give a fuck about this guy. Um, I know the because like he should really, be the scary part, yeah. right? And and the, the, the guy character would be interesting, but he really is only just trying to get with her. Like that's really his only. Mm-hmm. Like that's lame. There's no. He does have seem to have more depth than that. It seemed nope. really unnecessary. 
Yep. I'll tell you one fucking amazing scene I thought was when they first meet and she's telling, she's explaining how her parents died and she's telling a lie, but we're seeing the real thing. Motherfuck. That was awesome. Cause you're like, that wasn't a car crash. That was a gunshot. And you're like, what is going on? Oh man. I was actually a little confused at that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And totally. But then, (laughs) but that's what I, I, but I really liked it too. Once I, you know, was like, what the hell's going on? Oh, this is the real story. Cool. Jesus. And then that was dark and it kind of explained the split in a twins personalities and all that. And how it could do that. And that's cool. And, yeah. This movie, huh? It was th- that whole flashback and with her telling the false story over top of it was a very interesting and unique way of telling the backstory. Yeah. That I've never seen before. So I, I guess I can give it a point for that. And I go, okay. So no, I, and just, and maybe it's spoiler time, but like, I don't, it's just a bummer that like, she that the Sarah, wait, which one is she? No, she's Sarah. she's Sarah, and Jess is the one that went in the yeah, forest. Jess is the, so she's going yeah, looking Sarah's for her, going looking for Jess, right? And and after all of this, and after everything that goes on in there, and then all being dreams, but like she really just she really just dies in that cabin on fucking ghost hijinks. Who's Sarah? Yeah, Sarah just is she's still in the cabin. No, but that's where she she yeah she dies in there when she's you know oh, that's cutting around right. the, the fingers. Well, oh, so she never did leave the cabin. So the actual I don't think she final did. scene with Sarah, I don't. Yeah, she was not. She's real. a Yuri at that point. I think. Yeah, she's oh. hallucinating. Oh, so she's yeah. a ghost in that point. Hmm. Oh, that makes a little more sense because, like, at that moment when that happened, I'm trying not to be spoiler right. early. Basically, her last moment of the movie, I was like, what the fuck? The ghosts have done nothing physical no. in this movie whatsoever, and now this happens? I right. called bullshit on it. And it could it was kind of a cool visual, but left me feeling nothing because nothing led to that as far as any physical threat um, or anything beyond what's in her own mind as a threat. You know, so I guess I didn't, I, I guess I didn't get, I mean, I get, I, I, I see it now, yeah. but I guess I didn't realize that she was a ghost in that moment. But well, yeah, it does that through the whole movie though. It's kind of tricky on what's the Yuri, the ghost or not. Like even from the beginning when she's first walking towards the forest and that line of girls shoot across the road and you're like, well, what the hell? Well, they were actually oh, ghosts. The, the yeah. scoops ahoy employees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the, I, I called out Sailor Moon. All the Sailor moment. Moon girls, those were ghosts right from the beginning. You know, like you, but you don't, so that, you know, it's not that it's confusing. You just, you, it, you get, there's just a lot to piece back together. And I think, uh, the positives of the movie. Yeah. There was two Natalie Dormers, which yep. I'm okay with. Um, <laughs> the negative was that sun- Sunday, um, a day before we record this, uh, to lift the curtain a little bit, I was looking and I was like, oh, fuck, I only watched two of the movies. And I look up the movie list and I see The Forest and I see the title of the movie and I can't remember if I saw it. And I'm like, I didn't watch that one yet. And then I look it up and I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw that. I complete, I forgot about it within days. Oh completely my. forgot I had seen it. <laughs> completely gone out of my mind. The title wasn't even familiar. It was, I was like, 
wait, did I? Oh, okay, Natalie Dormer. Yeah, I saw this one. Um, I it it was so like forgettable, literally forgettable. I completely forgot I watched it. Yeah, it just ends up yeah. being fine. I really liked the Michi guy, the the guide. I think you know he was cool. And yeah, I liked him too. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. But there's the thing. What I think also made me confused in that moment because I get it with the slit wrist and everything, and then it cuts back to the hand that grabbed her and her chopping off the fingers, and yeah. that wasn't the reality. The reality was slicing her own wrist, whatever. Okay, I got that. But I think one of the things that also made me not confused about the whole ghost thing is they focus so hard on how these twins know when something's wrong with each other. Yeah. And when Jess makes it out of the woods after being lost for however many days and cannot hear people at her camps don't know that people are at her campsite for like a day and a half but yet can can hear the uh anyway whatever i'm not gonna get into that um <laughs> but she has that moment of like we got to go back and find my sister we got to go back and find my sister she came to find me blah 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 and then the one thing happens and then it and then it cuts back to jess and she's like it's gone silent leading me to think like, okay, this is the payoff of that whole conversation of how like they know when something's wrong with each other. And so that to me was just saying, okay, I know she's dead. So that led me to think that that other moment wasn't that I'm tiptoeing around was when she did die, but she was just the ghost. Right. So I didn't think that paid off very well. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. what you thought, Brett. Uh, I thought uh, <laughs> it's it's a good concept for a movie, uh, and uh, it's a good location for a movie. <laughs> uh, but basically, the the same thing that happened to you, Tad, uh, it happened to me, but with a couple uh, a couple years in between. I saw this movie <laughs> when it came out. Uh, and I didn't realize it until I'd hit play. Things started happening, and like not even the description or, or the or the because uh, really even the 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 box art or, or whatever the poster, you know, the the image uh, is kind of kind of a little generic. Uh, also, uh, so like I click on it, I start watching it, and I'm and I'm just sitting there like I've seen this before. And then I spent the rest of the movie trying to remember when I watched this movie. (laughs) (laughs) There there was, there was some good, there was some good parts uh, in it. Uh, I did like uh, when she was walking through the forest and she was unrolling the line of rope uh, and the, and the creepy thing kept like, it was in a different spot uh, each time. Uh, And it, you know, it'd be like the turn around, Sarah, turn around, Sarah. I I thought that was creepy. Uh, That was cool. Uh, And I liked the, uh, I like the guide. Uh, did not like the reporter, uh, and then uh, that Hoshiko girl. Uh, I thought she was awesome and creepy. The one that uh, she runs into uh, down down oh, below. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down below. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, like like you guys said, forgettable. I think that uh, probably one of my favorite moments of the movie that was. Because I liked it, because like you see movies like Blair Witch and stuff like that, and there, there, there's all this leading to like getting lost in the woods and how, and you know how could this happen? How did we get lost? And they do an interesting thing here that I I really liked is 
they so they decide that they're going to follow the river to get back because it'll eventually lead to civilization, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And she's looking over the edge and she sees a body floating. And I noticed it right away that when it cuts back to him, he's walking in the other direction yep. than the previous oh. shot. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that that's weird. And then, and then she even points it out. It's like, you weren't you walking in the other direction? She's like, no. And he's like, no, we've been, we're following it downstream. And she looks and the river's going downstream in the same direction that he's actually walking. I thought that was really cool. You know, I thought that was a really cool, um, disorienting, disorienting technique there to portray the whole, how these people can yep. get lost in these supernatural woods all the time. Yeah. That's about it. $10 million budget, box office, any guesses? 37 and a half. It wow. did well. Did I well. remember when this came out in theaters and stuff, like I, it was like, I, I think it was the typical tad of like uh, PG 13, uh, you know, <laughs> wasted concept on, on a teen movie, but uh, I'm sort of, I was sort of right. So <laughs> capitalize on the Game of Thrones name. With Natalie yeah. and yeah. and she was great. I mean, yeah, it was all fine. This That's is just, like the place. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but the forest. Like, I think there was like that YouTuber Jake Paul or Logan Paul, one of the two. Uh, he uh, got like almost canceled because he went into the woods and filmed like actual bodies in the woods. Jesus. Yeah. I heard something. Yeah, he says like, "Are you dead, dude?" I mean, oh, and yeah, the guy man. like clearly. We're we're looking at a corpse Whoa. here. Whoa! Uh, yeah, yeah. You put that shit on YouTube, and everybody's like, "Uh, not Fuck cool." Yeah, guy. you're a real pile of dog shit. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I think because again, it's not the worst movie in the world. No, it's, it's fine. okay. Yeah. Just my biggest disappointment it's, is that you have such a great concept, a right. great urban legend to to make your movie around, and you just miss the mark. Yeah, how do we not have a good movie about this yet? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. How do you, I guess it's hard to sort of dance around the subject of suicide because it's a, it's a very uh, it's a serious thing, but uh, yeah. doing it's it. It's a real place. Right. Yeah. So doing yeah. it with respect is really tough. You know, like most people probably just don't want to touch it because it's not worth the controversy. Yeah. You don't, you, you want to tell a good story, but at the same time, you don't want to like exploit it and then make money off, you know, the. Uh, exactly. Uh, well, uh, the tragedy, yeah. Tra- yeah. Oh well, it's on Netflix. You can watch it yourself. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it's <laughs> fine. It's just not not as good as it could be. It's mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. it's adequate. Exactly. It would be my word. It's adequate. It's filler. Yeah. yeah. All right, Andy. What's our next movie tonight? Okay, our next movie comes from 1981. It is, in my opinion, a sleeper slasher that gained a lot of speed. Uh, you know, after, you know, it got rediscovered. It is called The Burning. This summer, if you're planning to go camping, don't. If you're looking forward to midnight swims, don't. Sneak on back to the campsite. Get some matches. Build us a hot fire. And if you're thinking about being with someone where no one can see you, don't. Because this summer, a legend of terror isn't just a campfire story anymore. They say he smashed his way through the bunk room door, just a mass of flames. I cried out, I will return! 
The Burning, a former summer camp caretaker named Cropsey, is horribly burned from a prank gone wrong and lurks around an upstate New York summer camp known as Stonewater, and he's bent on killing the teenagers responsible for his disfigurement. Um, To me, this is a... This is actually a gem of a slasher movie, in my opinion, that probably really got lost in the shuffle of the, you know, the major motion picture uh, slasher boom of, you know, the late 70s and early 80s. But uh, this is actually um, a Harvey and Bob Weinstein film. They're both responsible for the story and the screenplay. and other a lot of other bad work. things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'll get to that too. I'll, I, I will. I will tie this in. Um, they uh, another person of uh, significance in, on that worked on this film is Jack Shoulder. He was the editor, and he is known for Alone in the Dark, and he also directed Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. And of course, we have a guy that you might have heard of. Uh, he's done a little work here and there. His name's Tom Savini. He did the special effects and the makeup for this. Yeah, I know. Who's that guy? Um, <laughs> basically, uh, like the story says, uh, these uh, there's a camp caretaker that's a real rat bastard, and he's a he's a drunk, and uh, they play a prank on him, and eventually he gets set on fire, and it's at this place called Camp Blackfoot. And uh, he's basically in a burn ward for five years later, it, for about five years, and there's no skin grafts that will that will take. And eventually, he's rip shit fit, pissed, and he's rightfully so because he's horribly disfigured. Uh, before he goes back and starts um, killing uh, these these poor kids at the camp, that which I will get into because you've actually got some pretty big names in this movie um i love this scene where he goes down to 42nd street and picks up a hooker and he's dressed <laughs> he's dressed like this cold war spy from you know like real cloak and dagger shit with the hat and stuff and we've got like this horrible horrible not even like good in terms of the monsters like uh lightning that lightning flash did you guys see oh, that so bad oh god it's awful it's it's just like i just want to take that out of this movie it's just oh it's <laughs> terrible but anyway he starts getting his penchant for stabbing people with shears which is uh you will see throughout the movie as in terms for uh names uh you've got leah air i hope i'm saying this right a- Ares? Ares? 
she plays Michelle. You may remember her as uh, the female in uh, Bloodsports, the mm-hmm. romantic interest of Jean-Claude Van Damme. She has to go undercover to get her story. Uh, Brian Backer plays Alfred, who you may remember from a a movie called Fast Times at Ridgemount High. He played Rat Ratner, and he was also in Police Academy 4, playing the most unconvincing skateboarder I've ever seen. (laughs) Wait, more (laughs) unconvincing than David Spade? (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, toss-up, right? Um, You have uh, the first movie role, I believe, of Jason Alexander, who... He's playing Dave, and he has hair. He's a summer of George. That's right. Uh, George George Costanza uh, from Seinfeld. You have Fisher Stevens, who plays Woodstock, and you may remember him from uh, Short Circuit. You know, hello, honey, what is for dinner? Um, <laughs> and uh, My Science Project. And you have a the very first film role of Holly Hunter, who plays Sophie, who you may remember her from uh, the piano and raising Arizona. This this movie has, I think, out of all of those early early eighty slashers, the most successful cast, future cast of all time. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. many people who went on to do that. bigger and better things. Right, like Harvey Weinstein. Hey, cast. I said cast. Um. <laughs> And, and and speaking of our cast, you've got a couple of guys. I don't know their uh, their professional acting names, but their names in the movie are Eddie and Glazer. And um, most of the guy the the guys in this movie are like horny and really, you know, they don't uh, they don't you know, really keep their space in between females when the word no is said. So I got to believe that the Weinsteins are damn near based off of Eddie and Glazer. (laughs) Um, and let's see, uh, you've got some, you know, of course I like, I love writing down some of the lines, uh, a fucking big Mac overdone, uh, by the black orderly and Sally saying that's all to, uh, Glazer. Hilarious. um, I got a feeling that uh, Jason Alexander uh, put in a lot of his own uh, one-liners. Oh, yeah. He's riffing through this whole thing. Because the the wine scenes are not that witty. Um, Right. uh, The world bantamweight jerk-off champion. (laughs) um, You know, ready, set, pork him, or whatever whatever that was said. Uh, Of course, Savini's makeup is totally awesome. Um, you've got it shot in that, you know, kind of like that Friday the 13th point of view style a little bit for the most part until, you know, we see him, you know, in the ruins of Camp Blackfoot and they're trying to, uh, you know, get away from them after they stole all the canoes. And of course that, that great canoe scene with all those Savini effects, it's, it's, it's really, really good stuff. And I think that, um, the way that this has, you know, kind of gained momentum. Because I first heard this about this maybe about five or six years ago about how good this was. Because I slept on this movie for quite a while. And I was like, and I bought the Shout Factory release. I was just like, all right, I'll take a chance on it, you know. And I'm very glad I did because this is a great, great hidden gem if uh, you haven't seen it. Uh, it's got all the... 
you know, the kinds of kids that, you know, that went to camp. You've got, you know, the the jocks, you know, the, you know, the partiers, you know, the horn dogs, the the pervy little peeping toms who actually, you know, end up being not all that bad and they're just mis- misunderstood. A lot of uh, 80s tropes, but a great movie. Uh, what do you guys think? Love it. I, I'm surprised you hadn't seen it until Shout Factory put out the Blu-ray because yeah. uh, I don't get it. I mean, you watch a lot of weird, obscure stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, I know. <laughs> th- this was like uh, right up there as as far as like Friday Thirteenth and stuff because I think it's probably because of Savini is how I found it. But um, mm. this one was recommended to me back in like high school, and I remember seeing it long ago and becoming one of my favorites because I love the score too. Uh, Oh yeah. I mean, we we just listened to the trailer and it has a lot of those uh awesome sound effects and scores and and uh zings and uh love that aspect of it. It just feels very 80s and and exp- like at the time it was just like really visceral and gory and mean. Um yeah, I I still enjoy this one quite a bit. I am also a huge fan of this movie. Huge. Huge fan of this movie. I actually, um, there's an episode of Killer Critiques that you can watch that I did recently on this movie. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, this movie is was kind of a lost gem after its re- initial release. It fizzled out really quickly at the box office, but uh, it was just it, the market was so saturated with slashers. This is what came out at the same time as The Burning. Friday 13th Part 2, Happy Birthday to Me, Final Exam, The Fan, Graduation Day, Eyes of a Stranger, and even a re-release of the Toby Hooper Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So all of that all at the same time, it's no wonder this movie kind of got lost in the shuffle. And then it became, because I remember when I first heard about this movie, back with my fascination with Tom Savini and his work, and had learned that this was a movie on his resume, and what some of the special effects were, thanks to his Grand Illusions book and a couple of document, like uh, the Scream Greats documentary about about Savini, that I had to find this movie. And first of all, it's extremely hard to find on the video store shelves. Um, could only ever find it once at any video store in all my travels, and and it was cut to shit. So by the time it made its way to to video, they cut um, like. 90% of the gore out of the movie. All the Savini stuff was gone. Um <sighs> but by the time it hit hit video. So so when it came out on on DVD with all the gore back in it and everything, I was like, "Oh, yes, finally." And I had seen and I had had bootlegs of it up until that point on VHS with the gore intact, but uh, uh um but yeah, Savini, the Savini work in this is is you know part of the price of admission, man. This is kind of the reason why you watch this movie. I, I love the look of Cropsey in this movie. Um, should mention that's why this one's on the list because it's very loosely based on the on the yeah. New York legend of Cropsey. Um, All I gotta say is if Nika puts out a freaking Cropsey, oh, yeah. I'm there, hands down, oh, easy. For sure, yeah. Comes with the gardening shears and everything. What oh, a great yeah. weapon, too. So visually, visually very, um, a very cool weapon. Did do a lot of cool shots with those, like that silhouetted shot of him r- throwing those blades up into the air 
Um, the sun behind him, yeah. Yeah, with the sun behind him and everything. When he's striking down and the kids on the raft, freaking beautiful shot. Oh, I love it. Um, they kind of used like the same uh, concept that they did in Friday the Thirteenth. That I noticed, like when when the axe would like hit like the lampshade and you'd hear the sound. They would they would do the same kind of stuff with like the shears. They would be able to like stick the shears in. They they would give it substance, you know. Yeah, what I yeah. Mean. That's a that's a Savini trick right there. Of yeah, um, show show that this is a real weapon in one shot. And by, you know, sticking it into a side of a tree or whatever, clanging it against a rock. Um, and then, and then use the fake blade when you're slicing somebody's neck. And, and it's also, it's cooler than like a machete or a, or a butcher knife because they still got inventive with the kills. Not every single kill was exactly the same. You know, somebody would get stabbed with it. Somebody would get his fingers chopped off. Somebody would get their neck slit with it. So, um, their bicep pinned to a, you know, a <laughs> yeah. wooden slat, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. That, yeah, that was, that was very cool. Um, although acting in this is great again, cause you've got such a high caliber class of, of future actors in this. There's a scene in this movie where I, I turned to Brandy and, and was making jokes where it's, it's when it's when they're shooting the guy with the BB gun um, and they're standing on the dock and it's, <laughs> it's Fisher Stevens, Jason Alexander, uh, Brian Backer, and another dude <laughs> that, that I can't even figure I out. Which, oh, name. was it? It was the character's name Fish. Fish. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know if that actor in between takes was like, man, I'm going to go on to be a big star. I don't know about these other three losers in this scene with me, but I'm <laughs> going to make it. <laughs> anyway, but uh, um, yeah, the score, I, I've forgotten how much I love the score after watching it again for the hundredth time over the weekend, but uh, such a great score. My only problem with the movie watching it this time is I watched it on Tubi and I don't know which version this is what restoration version this is, but all the night scenes looked like shit. I just, they look like it was filmed during the day and then just darkened or something. Yeah. That's why I want to go back and watch and watch the DVD of it and, and just watch a little closer. I'm wondering if a lot of those night shots were day for night shots where they shot it during the day and then darkened it up in post. Um, because, um, because yeah, when they brightened it up, there's shots where you, it, where it looks like a, the middle of a day shooting through the, tr- shooting through the trees and whatnot. <laughs> but not only that, but the, the way they were brightening it up and I have a feeling like, and, and I'm sorry, if you shoot something and it comes out dark, there's only so much that you can do to make the scene look, look brighter and better because they brought, they, they were bringing the light up so much that it made everything look discolored. And it looked like what the Ted Turner used to do to black and white movies in the eighties. Like the colors were way off and like horrible, like pastel looking colors. And it was so jarring and difficult to, I, I had a hard time watching, watching those night shots this time around. Um, like there's the scene where, the guy and the girl go skinny dipping and when she takes off her clothes and she's running into the lake and she's got, you know, really bad tan lines, but her tan lines were so discolored that I, in this version that I still thought she was wearing a bra and underwear. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure you watched some older version. Cause I watched the screen factory one and it, it looked a lot better. The darks were the blacks were black and yeah, good, good. And, and the butt was should, white. And, and the butt was white. <laughs> so so you should definitely get the Scream Factory. <laughs> good, good. Uh, guys, uh, 
this was a this was a first time watch for me. Uh, I oh, this wow. wasn't even on my radar. Yeah, this wasn't even on my radar. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I- well, th- so well, thank you, you to you guys <laughs> for uh, letting me uh, letting me uh, in on the burning fun. Uh, yeah, this this movie was awesome. I thought Tom Savini did awesome with the effects. It was great to see uh, Jason Alexander skinny with hair uh, and uh, <laughs> just young as fuck. And then, like Mike was saying with the shears, uh, I like because uh, it, it would do the POV shots from the killer's perspective, uh, and then it would show the shears uh, like in that POV shot. And like, like it would do like an open and close and you just hear the, sh- 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 Oh, I loved it. Great movie. <laughs> yeah. And those are like badass set of shears. They're not like kind you can just go get at Walmart. They're like, they're like high chrome. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. They look fucking yep. nasty. Yeah. <laughs> just something about just those pointy ends. It's just scary. It's a great weapon for sure. I'm with you. I've, you know, I've loved this movie forever and it's awesome. And Savini's, Work is great, and uh, kids suck. And, and, and Cropsey's death was just off the chain good. Terrible. Dude. Oh, yeah, that axe to the head. Is, I mean, he was scary oh, looking yeah. before he got burned, and then just, <laughs> yeah. oh. And then they turned him into a crispy critter again. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I would say I have uh, the old uh, DVD still, too, and um, the artwork on the front of that is so bad. Like, if... <laughs> if it's amazing that it took that long to finally come out on DVD, and when it did, they chose that for the cover. It's not doing it any favors. It's like it's uh, flames, it, isn't it? It's, it's, it's generic, right? The cover that I have is like black and white, and it has it's like in a forest, and it has a just a silhouette of Cropsey walking in like the detective type hat and coat. It it's like, what is this? Like it's just so bad. And then you know, Shout Factory put out that Blu-ray with an awesome artwork of him, like with the shears over like a river of blood. It's just Fuck awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's great. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm. I I want some merch from this. I want um, like a baseball shirt, and I want an action figure and uh, yes. an action <laughs> yeah, figure. Sure. I mean, like you're saying with Neki, they could do like an ultimate with uh, an unburned head you know and then yes. a burned head and uh the shears and in regular hands and burned hands and the with yeah with the the, the prank skull with the the candle lights and yeah it, and yeah. the worms crawling on it yeah uh, yeah i like when cropsy you know he goes to get his revenge he has to he has to take some of the responsibility himself for what happened to him i mean that's what he gets for sleeping on a bed covered in gasoline because that bed went up fast. Right. Yeah. And he brought, he like pulls a candle onto himself. I mean, yeah. it well, was, was not probably like doing covered it, in like. whiskey because he was so fucking hammered all the time. <laughs> and fun trivia fact when you see the legs catch on fire and they're kicking in bed, those are Tom Savini's legs. Oh, nice. When I saw him like pre burn, I was like, is that uh, the first time I watched it? I was like, is that Clint Howard? No. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Has that look though? I always thought it was the guy who played the sheriff dad in Friday Thirteenth Part Six when I was younger. Hmm. But that's the burning. Yeah, don't yeah. watch it on Tubi. Do not watch Go it on the Tubi. Buy the Shout Factory release, yep. and you won't regret it anyway. For yes. sure. I feel like I'm going to have to now. Yep, you have to. Oh yeah, have to. do it, do it now. <laughs> <laughs> i was actually when i when i was gonna watch this one last note i uh googled i was like 
Joe Bob's probably done this at some point, right? I want to watch it with Joe Bob because I've seen it, you know, a dozen times without him, and uh, he hasn't done this one somehow. So uh, there's some weird licensing thing going on with it, right? Yeah, That's, come on, Shutter. Like this is right up Joe Bob's alley. Like he's got to do this one. <laughs> well, yeah, I would assume there is a lot of licensing issues and why that why it took so long to get to DVD and stuff. I mean. You know, it's got the Weinstein's name attached. Oh to yeah, it, that's so. probably yeah. yeah part of it. Yeah, was it their first? Sorry, yeah, Wasn't it was it their, their first? first. I think it was their first foray, their first uh, foray into movie making after being music promoters or whatever. So. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Tad. What's our third movie for this evening? Our third movie is from two thousand nine, and it is Triangle. <laughs> You know what I do when I have a bad dream? I close my eyes and I think of something nice. So let's go sailing. Wind's out on us. Get the get the life jacket. Oh, thank God. Hello? Where is everybody? You enter a place you have never been. I recognize this corridor. Everything you see, you have seen before. Okay, triangle. Basically, a group of friends go sailing and are hit with a very, very big um, and sudden storm. They are overturned on a lifeboat, so they board a gigantic ship, and shit starts getting weird. Um, I don't know, man. How much of this do we even want to spoil? Because this is. Uh, <laughs> A mind bender of a movie. I I made the mistake that I try not to ever do anymore, and I sort of uh, Googled it first, trying to figure out which, because there's uh, several movies called Triangle, so I'm trying to figure out which one it is, and I find this one, and it has very high rating on um, Rotten Tomatoes, and it has, uh, like, Liam Hemsworth in it, and I'm like, oh, this is, like, this is going to be, like, a really high-end movie, and I wasn't disappointed, per se. It just wasn't what I... It sort of changed what I was... I, I wish I would have gone in completely blind, is what I'm trying to say. But um stars Melissa George as Jess. Uh, we have Joshua McIver as Tommy. Jack Taylor as Jack. Uh, Michael Dorman as Greg. Uh, Heather is played by Emma Lung. And then Liam, has, Liam Hemsworth, a very young Liam Hemsworth, plays Victor. So, yeah, this group of friends, when they go through the storm, they uh, end up on this gigantic ship, and uh, things are not exactly as they seem. Um, some, there's some... Uh, how do we even want to dance around this one? I mean, 
We just want to give a big spoiler alert shout out, and then if they want, don't want to hear, they well, can yeah, skip ahead. We're going to spoil this one. It's so 2009, go. yeah. It shouldn't be. Yeah, it's yet, been out uh, for a while, so I, this wasn't on my radar. This was the first time watch for me. Same. Uh, same. I had heard about it, uh, but I and I, you know, and I had heard good things, but I just never got around to seeing it until now. But see, see that's the thing. I'm not. You know, I don't get all bent out of shape about spoilers personally because sometimes spoilers will get me to watch a movie, and that's the case with this movie. It's like I mentioned um, earlier. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of stupid ten, top stupid. ten lists on YouTube, and this showed up on a list of of uh, I forget what the list was, but different horror movies. And when they described it and what was going on in this movie, then I'm like, oh, I've got to see this. Yeah, that's what got just- me to see it. We just did a group watch of Coherence, and this is very much up that alley of uh, mindfuckery. And actually, when you go on the IMDb, the first thing it recommends, if you like this movie, is Coherence. So uh, basically, there's a like alternate reality type thing where every time they board this uh, ship, um, there's like another version of that character. And there's a scene in this movie, um, spoiler again, uh, where she sort of finds this like pit of a character. Like there's like, there's like a dozen I of this lost woman. My shit yeah. That, that, yeah. That, yeah. Scene, that scene was fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. I was fuck. like, I was like, uh, yeah, I think that's exactly that's what I said. Game out loud. Changer. Yeah. 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 I mean, throughout <laughs> the movie, there's a lot of like, okay, what the what, fuck's going what, on? What? You're trying to figure it out. Um, they go into the room and there's all this fresh food and it's clear that someone's been there, but there's nobody there. And she keeps uh, the main character, Jess, keeps seeing uh, somebody out of the corner of her eye trying to catch them. It turns out it is her herself um, that she's seen in a different reality. So even then, it's like, we're, we're, which one are we following? Um, and she keeps trying to change the course of how these characters die uh, because they're getting picked off one by one. But um it's once again, like, how do you change the course? Cause that's still going to happen. And it's like, she knows how this is going to end. So how can she change it? Uh, yeah. What did you guys think? I, uh, well, two things. Um, like it, I mean, it didn't take forever, but five minutes or less into the movie, I'm like, Bermuda triangle. I get it. <laughs> that's why it's on the episode. Although but, I don't think they ever called that not out. Really? They? No, yeah. I mean, no, but they then, said no, the name that, of the boat. Yeah, it's the name of the boat, and I read also in the the trivia on IMDb that originally there was a lot of, or not a lot, but several references to the Bermuda Triangle, huh. and they even filmed some of that stuff, but when they um, started editing, they are like, let's just not uh, throw that in there, and just, and so it sort of, I sort of wish they would have changed the, the uh, yeah. title of the movie, because they cut all that stuff out, because they just want it to be more open, um, and sort of, like, and not it is not well, quite on the nose, but um, yeah. Well, and then so like I don't even think it was halfway through the movie, and I was just like, "But it's a loop." So yep. it, you know, like that's I don't want to simplify it too much, but like you know, like once you recognize that it's a loop, well, then you, but it's a loop, so you can't change the loop because it's a loop, and even though. But that, but, and so if you take that concept, this movie does a really awesome thing halfway through the loop where you really think it did get changed and they start this whole other kind of story. And you're like, oh shit, they, she, but, but in your oh, head, yeah. you're like, 
but you can't alter the loop because it's I, a loop, you know? And, I have a th- but they really thought they really made you think that the loop was affected and changed, but turns out it's just a bigger loop. So <laughs> that was fucking I, great and awesome. But yeah. I have a theory. Um when they get onto the boat and they read that story about that Greek god about, you know, how they were they they cheated death and they were supposed to you know repeat this task over and over all, all the time um i believe that the taxi driver is uh death and she promises to be back but she kind of breaks her promise so she has to keep going through this mm. over nice. and over and over again because she dies in that car wreck Oh. At the end, and he's taking her, you know, he's taking her away. He just goes, I'll leave, I'll stay right here, I'll leave the engine running. You promise you'll be back? And she says, I'll promise I'll be back. But she, but she leaves and she goes on the boat ride. So now she's stuck on the boat, having to go through this thing over and over and over again. At least that's that was my take on it. I feel like I still need that's to awesome. watch this. I, I I feel like I need to watch this movie again to really absorb everything else. But I mean, that's that was my take on it. Uh, that she has to that that's she's the one that's actually cursed. It's interesting that you bring that up. But did you say that that thing they read was um, from Greek mythology? I think so. It was it was okay. on the boat. I I, can't, I don't know it verbatim. I'm just I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing what they said. Maybe I'll go back and look at it because. That just instantly makes me think of Norse mythology and and uh, Ragnarok, and I don't know I don't I don't know my any of my mythology very well other than based on comic books and my, so my understanding is Ragnarok was kind of the same thing where they are fighting <clears throat> are fighting um uh, they're fighting to save their homeland in a constant loop. Every time they die, they come back, and every time they kill, um, you know, one of the bad guys or whatever, they come back, and it's a continual loop for all of eternity. So that's why I was asking if it was Greek or. Yeah, there's a whole other side plot to the story. Um, our lead character, uh, Jess, has an autistic son, and um, that's sort of where it starts and ends the movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't a big fan of hers, the actress, Melissa George. Um, I don't know what it was about her, but uh, then I read in the trivia that they were looking at casting Lindsay Lohan, and I'm like, okay, Melissa George wasn't so bad. <laughs> Way better. <laughs> Bullet dodged. We, <laughs> yeah. Brandy and I were cracking jokes that they should have named this movie Head Turn the Movie, because there was so many, <laughs> of, so many head turns from her in this movie. Yeah. Dramatic head huh. turns. <laughs> Yeah, you just think, I mean, the other, I guess, I love Andy's uh, deduction, but, you know, to me, the obvious thing is, like, it's this is her hell, obviously, because she yeah. killed, the you know, in this, you know, so she's doomed to repeat it. Yeah, those just those two, those two giant moments are both the same thing happens where you find a pile of things 
I mean, of that fucking girl up in the boat. Jesus Christ, that that scene was. Because it's the girl crawling away through dead bodies of Of versions of herself. Jesus, that's (laughs) fucking morbid as fuck. Multiple lockets and such. Yeah, there's there's the thing with all the lockets, and then there's the one. I was going to say, so yeah, this it's no, it's not a loop. It's like a figure eight because there's like two. Just you think they get out of the loop, and then. When she's standing on the side there and she throws the bird and he's, you're like, oh, oh, it's still a loop. Motherfucker, she's yeah. not out. God damn. <laughs> so that part was kick-ass. When those moments but what happen. What about the girl that gets drug out of the boat? Now, would, wouldn't technically she be part of the loop or does it, you have to be on the boat at some point? To be part of the loop, oh, her, her loop would be terrible. It's just drowning over and over again. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, I, well, I just think it's it's like it's like her just as it's her chunk of time that yep. she's constantly in the loop on. Like, I mean, yeah, none of those people survived that ordeal, obviously. But you know, everybody else, um, in the surroundings, I would assume just continue on with the day but yeah, it's her loop it makes for a fun mystery story and trying to figure it out and even once you do realize it's a loop you still find yourself like how can i figure this out and you're because you're following yeah. her trying to outsmart herself and you know she can't do it and you know it's not going to do anything but you're still trying to like how would you get out my my main concern about this when when i was watching this uh, you know as a writer how the yeah. fuck would you make this a coherent script to trying to make people <laughs> right. you know, read I know, this? Right? I'm just thinking to myself, Jesus, this would have been, you know, I can, under- I can understand it, like, unfolding in my mind, but, like, putting it on paper would have been a son of a bitch. Yeah. I, I love how they throw moments in, too, where it seems like she can alter yep. the outcome. Yeah. Um, of things, and then so then when you get to, uh, you, when you get to when you think that she's made it, made it, you know, you're convinced. And oh yeah. That whole time, even when she's walking up to the house, and you're, you're yep. starting to put those pieces together, it's like, fuck, this is the beginning of the movie. She's still in the loop. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're still like hopeful that she's going to get out of this, and and she never does. And I love how too. Oh man. You know, this is a movie uh, that's worth another watch. Now you know exactly the outcome. I was going to say, like, because you, when they, when she comes walking up on the docks, uh-huh. it is shot for shot, the exact same thing, the exact same thing she's saying, the exact exact same expressions on her face, all of that. It's the beginning of the movie, at uh-huh, the end yeah. of the movie, and different context and different a different context on what she's going through in that moment. I, uh-huh. I was going to say what makes, you know, movies like the sixth sense so great is that you can go back and look for clues. Well, this movie is all about that. It's clue after clue, after clue of what just happened in different contexts. And it's, 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 oh, there's so many layers of what the fuck. And you're, you, you just become in denial while watching this movie Absolutely. because you think that she can get out of this, even though you get the major clues are those same moments you talked about because you know, the lockets, uh, uh, hundreds of, of the exact same locket in the bottom of the uh, bottom of this, uh, little drain or whatever. Um, and all of the, all of the dead bodies of the one girl. Um, and so you're sitting there, it's like, this has happened hundreds and hundreds of times by now. But 
to us as the audience, this is we're only on like what the third time when we see the bodies. Yeah. So when so that was one of the first things that popped in my head when she makes it to land. I'm like, but all those bodies, this, this right. is supposed to continue the. I, I thought it was it, ingenious. Yeah. I thought yeah. the whole the the all of that. Oh, I, was, I thought it was just brilliant. Oddly. Oddly enough, you could probably watch the movie in reverse and st- it'd still be coherent. <laughs> the same movie. <laughs> it's a, uh, what's the word called? Um, I can't think of it. Uh, yeah, the words that are same forward and backwards. Yeah. That thing. Like race car? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was, I could not wait to talk about this movie tonight and hear what you guys had to say about it because. I loved this so much. It's actually, it, yeah, it's it's very interesting. So yeah, this movie is. So I compare this with the forest. Um, this movie um, has equally horrible CGI in it, but the story yeah. lets me be okay with it. Whereas in the forest, I can't. It's hard for me to tolerate it in the forest. So. I can look past it a lot more in this because it's so much more engaging, and because the CGI is not great in this either. I mean, that boat floating upside down out in the water—that's pretty bad. And <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and, but I don't know. You know, I found it easier to deal with. I, I, I accepted it because it, things felt like moment moments in the movie felt like a dream, like <laughs> quality to it for some reason, and that's how I took every time she looked out on the water and saw. Them on the upside, it looked like shit. But at the same time, I'm like, there's kind of like a dream reality to everything that's going on. So that's why I thought it was intentional. Maybe uh, the room that had the um, the words painted in blood on the mirror. Anybody notice the room number? Two thirty-seven. Yeah, a lot of shining references with an axe. Oh my gosh! Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I thought this was really good, guys, too. Uh, first time, also for me, uh, I hadn't seen any of these movies tonight. Awesome. awesome. Well, hey, well nice. <laughs> the, the, uh, I guess the first one, uh, you have, I guess I had yeah. seen that, but I'll, but, I'll, <laughs> yeah. but I'll forget that again. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but no, the, uh, the triangle, uh, I'm going to have to watch this again, uh, like you said, and just, uh, and, just try to, and just try to, you know, uh, map it. Try to, to follow. Yeah, map it and follow <laughs> it along, and and try to, you know, because the first time you're watching this, you're not expecting that, you know, all of that that it gave you. So, I'm pretty excited to watch this again. It was a good movie. There is a moment between her on the dock and when the ship wrecks, where I need. That's when I. That's the moment I want to watch again because there's a moment. There's a moment there where she forgets everything. Because there's yeah. a, there's a scene oh, yeah. on there's a scene on the boat on how she's talking about how like some something seems familiar about this or something like that and I can't really remember why or whatever so I kind of want to pinpoint that moment <laughs> because that would help the loop if she does ha- kind of forget and she's all of her motivations are the exactly the same all over again when she gets on the boat. Mind fuckery, Tad said he's right. Mm-hmm. That should be on the poster. <laughs> Pretty good. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, that's the triangle, and that is the movies. That concludes the movies that we're going to talk about this episode. But don't worry, though. There's plenty more show to go. We're going to take a quick break, and when when we come back, we're going to have segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. You're going to hear first, though, a promo of our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Check out all the shows by going to thepfpn.com. You can hear even our newest show on the network. Oh, some show called, oh, I don't know, Brett and Tony. So it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. (laughs) Thanks, guys. So check that. You bet. So we'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all in goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show, and now it is time for segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. As we always do, because you demanded it, we're going to start off with shout-outs. It's time for shout-outs! All right. Well, I hate to be that guy, but I want to back up a little bit. Um, it's just triangle. It's not the triangle. Sorry. No. <laughs> it's important. There's, you said there's a lot of them, so I'm just trying to the help. Triangle. I think there's even 2009 two of triangle. them from 2009. <laughs> but the other one has uh, the other Hemsworth brother. Oh my gosh! Stop it. <laughs> All right. We asked, "What are your favorite? What are your isosceles triangle?" Too. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> what are your favorite urban legend based horror movies on sadly i don't think our listeners like urban legend movies there just aren't a lot of uh shout outs this week it's weird but but we got a few and up first we got nick Leadham. he says knew we can count on nick oh yeah he goes with black christmas yes the whole stranger caller in the house yeah in the house. Uh-huh. Trope. Yep. and candy man oh yeah there's your hook mm. killer Never heard kind of, of like it. Blood, um, Bloody Mary sort of, you know. Oh, it's the hook killer. It's based on the hook killer. The, the hook <laughs> man well, that you guys like. The five times nope. thing you, know, you save in the mirror. And then he says, Madman is pretty fun too. Madman. Yeah. And, and hook man. Never heard of that one. And then up oh, next. I've heard of Madman. It's not a big fan. It does have, um, oh my gosh, uh. Uh, uh, the girl from Dawn of the Dead. I can't remember her name right now. Okay, moving on. We got <laughs> Erica Schultz. Uh, Erica, she's on the Customers Also Watched and Unsung Horrors podcast on thepfpn.com. And her answer is an awesome one, my favorite one, Alligator. Yes, I love Alligator. That almost made it through the episode, but it wasn't streaming anywhere. So <laughs> she, liked, she likes it probably because of child got eaten that's gotta be one of the reasons and then lastly uh, of course oh man um tim lennerer he says you ready for the shortest comment i'll ever give it's already not (laughs) well no he normally gives us a book which is awesome but here's his answer 
motherfucking alligator. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, nothing in the so this was in the group edition. Nothing on the page. Nothing on Twitter. Nothing on Instagram. Come on, people. Let's hear them shout outs. Remember, um, you can give us a call on our voicemail number if you want to get your voice on this segment. Uh, you can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us that voicemail, and we'll play it on the show. That is shout-outs. Thank you, Jason. You're welcome, Mike. It is time now to go to the theater of the mind. That is if your mind is heavily on drugs. Because it is time now for recasting with Christian Slater. Salutations and welcome to another edition of Recasting with Christian Slater. And against your better judgment, you're still listening. <laughs> Tonight, we're pretty much going to have a one man show as we cover a very early 2000s horror film by the name of American Psycho. In with us in the studio today, playing the role of uh, Patrick Bateman. Is Don Knotts. Don, are you here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rusty, when can I go home? <laughs> Unfortunately, none of us can go home. We're all stuck here. It's like a goddamn loop. Inexplicably, um, we're joined by Gary Busey, who's not even supposed to fucking be here. <laughs> Gary, what do you want? I have been told by my Kama Sutra slash breakdancing instructors to stay here and wait for the mysterious transvestite tap dancing Eskimo. He will give me the secret to life itself. Now, I've been told he drives a sweet Z28 with crackers on it, and he will be selling marmalade out of the hatchback. Oh now, I know that I'm, it's not very PC to say words like transvestite and Eskimos and all this shit. I have nothing against transvestites. I have nothing against Eskimos, but I fucking hate tap dancers. Gregory <laughs> Hines scares the fucking shit out of me. Jeez. Oh. Inadvertently, we've just had our anti-drug PSA for the show. <laughs> Gary, Gregory Hines is fucking dead. A tap dancing zombie? Jesus. Um... I, I, I still got to wait. I'm waiting. I'm not going anywhere. Well, if you're not going anywhere, you want to make yourself useful and play the role of Sabrina. Wouldn't be the first time I've been called Sabrina. Let's do it. 
<clears throat> Here we go. Here goes nothing. <clears throat> Interior, Bateman's apartment, night. Christy is in the bathtub. Bateman is pouring in milky white bath oil. That's a very fine Chardonnay you're drinking. Long pause in which Christy is luxuriating in the tub and ba Bateman is casually twitching her breasts. I want you to clean your vagina. Christy reaches for a washcloth. No! From behind! Get on your knees! Christy shrugs. I want to watch! You have a very nice body! The doorman rings. Bateman answers. Thank you! Send her up! Christy! Get up and dry off! Choose a robe, not the pajama, and come meet me and our guest in the living room for drinks! Bateman answers the door. You've arrived! How lovely! Let me take your coat! I'm Paul! How good of you to come! The escort girl looks somewhat bewildered. Bateman takes her coat and inspects her body and face. Not quite blonde, are you? More dirty blonde. I'm gonna call you Sabrina. I'm Paul Owen. Bateman escorts her into the living room and brings her a glass of wine. Christy enters, sitting next to Sabrina on the couch, and Bateman sits across from them. There is a long silence. So do you know what I want to do? So do, don't you know what I want to do? The two girls look at each other with uncomfortable smiles. Christy shrugs. No, not really. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very good, Gary. Good job. <laughs> Bateman is visibly irritated, recrosses his legs. Well, I work on Wall Street at Pearson Pears. Have you heard of it? Another long pause. They shake their heads. Christy stands and goes over to the CD collection. Sabrina stands and goes over to the CD collection. You have a really <laughs> nice place here, Paul. How much did you pay for it? <laughs> Actually, that's none of your business, Sabrina. I can assure you it wasn't cheap. Bateman leaves to refill his wine glass, and Sabrina takes a pack of cigarettes out of her purse. Bateman returns carrying a tray of chocolates. No, no smoking, not an air. He walks over to Christy. Varda Truffle? Christy stares at the plate and shakes her head. Sabrina takes one. I don't want you to get drunk, but that's a very fine Chardonnay you're not drinking. Bateman goes over to his CDs and scans his vast selection. He takes one out and examines it. Do you like Phil Collins? I'm a big, I've been a big Genesis fan ever since the release of their 1980 album, Duke. Before, I really didn't understand any of their work. It was too artsy, too intellectual. It was on Duke where Phil Collins' presence became more apparent. He puts aside the CD and takes out another one. I'm reading the wrong one. I think Invisible Touch is the group's undisputed masterpiece. He puts on the song and gestures for them to follow him into the bedroom. It's an epic meditation on intangibility. At the same time, it deepens and enriches the meaning of the preceding three albums. Christy, take off your robe. 
Aikman puts out a lace teddy. He motions to Chrissy to put it on. Listen to the brilliant ensemble playing by Banks, Collins, and Rutherford. You can practically hear every nuance of every instrument. Sabrina, remove your dress. Bateman starts to undress. In terms of lyrical craftsmanship and sheer songwriting, the album hits a new peak of professionalism. Sabrina, why don't you dance a little? Sabrina dances awkwardly. Christy sits on the bed. Take the lyrics to land a confusion. In this song, Phil Collins addresses the problems of abusable political authority. Bateman knots a silk scarf around Christie's neck, rather menacingly. Then he helps her into some suede gloves. In Too Deep is the most moving pop song of the 1980s, about monogamy and commitment. The song is extremely uplifting. Their lyrics are positive as affirmative as anything I've heard in rock. He turns on the video camera. Christy! Get down on your knees so Sabrina can see your asshole. <laughs> Bateman looks through the viewfinder. This is getting good. <laughs> Gary, do you need to fucking ad lib? Sorry, proceed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> Go ahead, Don. Phil Collins' solo efforts seem to be more commercial and therefore more satisfying in a narrower way, especially like songs like In the Air Tonight and Against All Odds. Sabrina, don't just stare at it. Eat it. <laughs> he walks over to the sound system in his bedroom and slides in the CD. But I also think that Phil Collins works better within the confines of the group than as a solo artist and I stress the word artist. This is a Susudio. A great, great song. A personal favorite. And scene. <laughs> Gary, put your pants back on, please. <laughs> I'm going to go take some volume and lay down. See you next time on Christian Slater's Recasting. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> That's right. It's time once again for Insane's Picks, and it's time to induct another artist into the Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. For this episode, I am inducting one of the big dogs in the world of Insane's Picks films, a filmmaker who has worked in B-movies since the early 80s, doing everything from writing, directing, producing, and s'more. He's worked with such people as Tracy Lords, Dick Miller, Barbara Crampton, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Heather Locklear, Lonnie Anderson, Angus Scrim, and even Corey Haim. <clears throat> we are talking about, of course, Jim Wynorski. A veteran in Hollywood ex in the exploitation field, Jim Wynorski is responsible for over 150 varied movies in various genres from horror, action, sci, softcore, and even family films. Moved to California in 80 and got a job as a location manager for the TV show Breaking Away. 
After he got fired from that job, he was on a flight one day back to LA when he met who had connected to Roger Corman. He arranged a meeting with for Jim to meet with Roger, and Jim quickly found himself working for Mr. Corman. He started out cutting coming attractions for all the company's new action and horror films. Soon after that, Roger offered Jim <clears throat> the first of many writing and directing assignments. Jim's first writing assignment was the script for the film Sorceress in 1982. After writing a couple of scripts for Roger, Jim got to make his directorial debut with the 1984 film The Lost Empire. Jim, a big fan of film, especially horror, sci-fi, and he wanted to make sure Lost Empire had everything, and I do mean everything in it, that he loved, just in case he never got to make another movie. <clears throat> However, little did Jim know that he would continue to make movies for the next 40 years. A distributor at one point wanted a flick about a killer in a shopping mall, and Roger Corman chose Jim to come up with something and direct it. Jim and co-writer Steve Mitchell thought the slasher genre was getting old and instead came up with a script about a killer about killer robots killing teens in a mall and thus the classic 1986 film Chopping Mall, one of my personal favorites, was born. <clears throat> From that moment on, Jim Wynorski turned out an average of three to five films a year as a director and even more as a producer and writer. Throughout the 1980s, came a steady stream of wild exploitation titles like Big Bam Mama 2 in 1987, Not of This Earth from 1988, and Return of the Swamp Thing in 1989. Wynorski established his own production company, Sunset Films, which he ran with Andrew Stevens. It was a division of Sintel Films, and they made such classics as Vice Girls in 1997, Sorceress 2, The Temptress in 1999, Hard Bounty in 1995, Demolition High in 1996, Against the Law in 97, Stormtrooper in 98, and Desert Thunder in 99. As the years went on and tastes changed, Jim kept hip by innovating new special effects techniques that landed the director no less than seven world premieres on the sci-fi channel with such films as gargoyle the curse of the kimono <clears throat> project viper and cry of the winged serpent i am a big fan of jim wynorski my favorite films of his of course are like chopping mall lost empire not this earth just to name a few and I had the honor of getting to meet him several years ago at B-Movie Celebration in Franklin, Indiana. I'm so glad you got to. <clears throat> oh, yeah, totally. And it was great to get to hear a lot of, a lot of great stories from Jim about his years in making movies. And if you want to get more insight on Jim Wynorski, you need to check out the documentary Papatopoulos from, 19, or from 2009. It's an awesome documentary that covers his career and follows the filmmaker as he makes his 70th film, Witches of Brestwick, that he shot in three days. <clears throat> so for this Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, we induct the giant, the master of field in the field of B-movie and exploitation film filmmaking, Jim Wynorski. <clears throat> so that is another episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Let's hear it for our very special guest, Brett Royer, everybody. Brett, 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 Brett. Uh, thanks, guys. Man, this was awesome. <laughs> Good. Thanks for being on, man. This is Thank been you. great having you. It's been a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. Tell, her, tell everybody where the, we can follow you on the interwebs and where they can get your books. Oh, yeah. Writer. Uh, yep. Uh, well, uh, first off, the uh, Brett and Tony podcast. Uh, it's uh, pretty much available everywhere Spotify, all the, all the Podbean and everything. Uh, and then uh, over on Amazon.com, you can order. Uh, I've got a couple books on there Malice on the Mississippi River and then uh, Iowa Grindhouse. So, uh, yeah, order one of those. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yes. Thanks again for being on, Brad. This was a lot of fun, man. <clears throat> so after listening to this episode, your life may be changed forever. You may now believe that we actually exist, or maybe you just think we are urban legends. That is up for you to decide. Thank you for listening and talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer.